0: Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans, in NBA as a whole. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Available on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify—literally wherever you get your podcast from. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media, and editor over at LockedOnPelicans.com. Jake Madison at NOLA, Jake on Twitter. Here with y'all on this Monday, kicking off. Maybe not a full week's worth of podcast, but we're going to get you through Thursday. That is for sure. There's a big game coming up Wednesday. Not sure if you're aware. It's a joke. You definitely know Anthony Davis making his return to the Smoothie King Center. We'll get to that a little bit later in the week, starting tomorrow, because we've got to recap a weekend's worth of action for your New Orleans Pelicans. Bad weekend's worth of action with two pretty rough losses to the Utah Jazz, the Los Angeles Clippers. We'll recap those for you here in today's episode. In the third segment, I'm going to give you an update on Zion Williamson, his status with the team. When might we see him? We've got a bit of an update there, as well as something going on around the league. News breaking now that they're really looking at tweaking the schedule, shortening the season, adding another tournament. I'll give you an update on that as well, and if that's a good thing for the New Orleans Pelicans. So let's dive into it all in today's edition of Locked On Pelicans. So Saturday night, the Pelicans traveled to Utah taking on the Jazz in a game that got away from them early on. The final score is not nearly as close as this one ended up being. It was a 128-120 loss for the Pelicans, the time dropping the record to 6-10 on the season. They were down by as many as 20 in this one. Utah put up 44 in the first quarter to the Pelicans, 31. Continued that by putting up 30 to the Pelicans, 23 in the second quarter putting them down by a significant amount by 20 and a half time. It was 74 to 54. And at that point, they were basically just Done. They did start to mount a bit of a comeback in the third quarter, really getting going behind Brandon Ingram, who was quiet in the first half in this game, lit it up in the second half. But again, you have to expend all that energy and effort just to try and come back, and it doesn't work. Alvin Gentry used one of his favorite catchphrases with this. That was a perfect storm of things going on. And if you watch the game, you really felt that way. So by the numbers, some things look good. Brandon Ingram finished the night with 33 points, five assists, four rebounds. He was 4 of 7 from deep, 12 of 24 from the field... But of those 33, 25 came in the second half. Maybe some more balanced scoring from him getting going a little bit earlier, and he's still coming back and getting into a rhythm after being out for a number of games. Might've helped this team a little bit. They just kind of fell behind the eight ball way too early. Drew Holiday in this one, 28 points on the night. He was also 12 of 24, three for nine for deep, five rebounds, four assists, at times being that aggressive Drew Holiday that we want to see. I wonder if he's starting to rely a little bit too much on that three point shot You'd like him driving, but you can't really complain with the points and the stats that he put up in this one. He also chipped in four steals and overall was pretty good. J.J. Reddick had it going 20 points, seven rebounds, four assists. He hit four threes in this one and got to the line a lot, getting fouled on that three point shot, eight of nine from the charity stripe. He was pretty good. Jackson Hayes in a starting role, luckily not going up against Rudy Gobert. That makes you feel the Pelicans really dropped one with Rudy. Rudy Gobert being out for them um, who was going to give... Uh, Jackson Hayes a whole ton of trouble. Jackson Hayes, 13 points, five of nine, just five rebounds. He is struggling in that department with some of the positioning. Um, Defense at times is looking a little bit better. He's giving you a bit of rim protection, but you can see he's still not a plus defender. Ken Rich Williams, two points on the night, six rebounds for him, just one assist. Off the bench, you had Lonzo Ball with 13 points. That's a topic we'll probably need to hit on this week at some point. Does he stay on the bench or go back into the starting lineup feel kind of strongly about this in one way uh, 13 points for Lonzo ball he was letting it fly from deep uh, three of seven from the three-point range uh, Nicolo Melli six points on the night each one more three Frank Jackson an awful showing out there in uh, basically his home state oh for six no uh, just two points on the night getting both those at the free throw line New Orleans shot fo- under 42 percent in this one though they shot well from deep it was the defense that doomed him so the numbers there points-wise look good you put up 120 not horrible The issue was everything else and slowing down other guys, and the Pelicans just weren't able to get it done. There's a couple themes between this game and the Clipper game, and you're going to hear me echo some of the same things. The bench got lit up a little bit, and the defense overall was pretty garbage. Uh, Bojan Bogdanovic, 28 points on the night. He's been a great pickup for Utah. Five assists as my cat tries to jump on a ledge and completely misses. That's a new cat, by the way, Um, knocking my girlfriend's bracelets that I just got her off of the thing. Uh, five assists for him. Five rebounds on the night. Three of seven from deep bombing away. It was 10 of 17 overall. Tony Bradley in place of Rudy Gobert. 14 points, nine rebounds. He had a better game than Jackson Hayes. That probably shouldn't be the case. Seven of eight. From the field, Donovan Mitchell got going. He put up 37 points, seven rebounds, five assists, 12 of 26 from the field. So, not the most efficient night, but not bad. Six of 13 from deep. Those are basically the starters who did the damage. Mike Conley still not shooting well this season, 11 points on the night for him. You had Emmanuel Moutier putting up 10 off the bench, six, uh, six rebounds for him as well. And then Jeff Green got it going, the immortal Jeff Green, 15 points. Off the bench as well, and it basically just doomed the Pelicans. Yes, they started a comeback, but it was a little too late, and they just weren't able to play their style of ball at all. Even when they got stops, they weren't able to kind of create that easy offense that they want. Now, Utah is a very well coached and a very good defensive team, so I'm not necessarily expecting that against them, but just six points in the fast break. Utah turned it over 18 times, turned into 18 points for New Orleans, but you've got to take better advantage of that. And the Pelicans were not able to do it. Basically, they just let anyone go by him if they wanted. They gave up a bunch of open threes. Um, long rotations really hurt this team. And that happens when someone gets by you initially. And all of a sudden, someone needs to rotate over. And then they pass it out and so, to the open man. Then someone goes to cover them. So they pass it. And so on and so on until someone takes an open shot. And that's what we've seen happen all season long to New Orleans. The defense had looked better a little bit in that homestand when they won three straight at home. But overall, they really regressed in this game. Again, guys like Tony Bradley should not be beating you. I can understand Donovan Mitchell. But Emmanuel Moutier is not particularly good, though he's having a better season than maybe ever before. 10 points for him. Jeff Green, really? 15 off the bench? It's basically unacceptable, and the coaching staff needs to drill this in a little bit more. You can say it's on the players for not executing, but when you watch it and see the same mistakes over and over and over again, that's on everyone. The coaches, too. They've changed the scheme that hasn't paid the dividends that they want, though we've seen some improvement, but this was a pretty bad game on the defensive side. Make no mistake about it. Disappointing to see the Pelicans dropped a game that could have been winnable with the recent run that they've been on without Rudy Gobert. They were unable able to fall in 128-120 to the Utah Jazz. Now, the Clippers game looked a whole lot similar to this one. I'll touch on that in just a moment before I do that, though. Don't forget, subscribe to Locked on Pelicans wherever you get your podcasts from here Monday through Friday, breaking down everything you want to know. And we've got a big week, the AD return week. There's going to be a lot to talk about, and we're going to do a live podcast digitally on Twitch, twitch.tv slash NOLA underscore Jake or NOLA Jake. I'll tweet it out. I can't remember what it is right now. When I get back home after the game on Wednesday in the Smoothie King Center. I'm going to fire up Twitch. You guys are going to be able to see me recording Locked on Pelicans. I'm going to one-take everything and not make a mess of this. And you're going to be able to ask your questions live in the moment. We'll get them right then and there on the podcast. So make sure you follow me on Twitch. It's either at Nola Jake or Nola underscore Jake. I forget which. Again, I'll tweet it out. Uh, And we're going to have some fun on there after the game on Wednesday. I know we're going to have a lot to talk about. Win or lose with just everything going on around Anthony Davis and his return. So don't forget Subscribe wherever you get your podcast from so you'll know the second we go live. Things didn't get any easier for New Orleans as they traveled to Los Angeles on the second night of a back-to-back to to take on the Clippers 134-109 where they just got blown out. Tired legs, bad defense, missed shots. It wasn't much better than what we saw the night before and the Pelicans dropped to 0-2 On this little mini back-to-back road trip after taking on Phoenix and winning that game. This was about as ugly as it's going to be. New Orleans had a defensive rating of 131. Their already bad defense was in like right around 120. You jumped up 14 points per 100 possessions. That is pitiful. That is unacceptable in any frame. And... It just was a bad night. The Clippers led it by as many as 27 in this one. They jumped out to 40 points in the first quarter, 32 in the second. It's an improvement over the game against the, the Jazz when they put up 74 in the first half. And the Clippers only put up 72, but New Orleans didn't provide any resistance whatsoever in the first half, failing to get to even 60 points to try and keep it kind of close. They put up 27 in the first period, 29 in the second. They mounted, uh, showed some sort of life in the third, got it close, but ultimately, the Clippers are a much better team. This game should not necessarily have been close, But you would have liked to have seen a better performance from this team. The Clippers have Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, they have Mo Harkless, who's an established NBA guy, Patrick Beverly in the backcourt, Lou Williams, a six-man off the bench, Montrez Harrell off the bench. Both he and Williams could win six-man of the year almost any other year. They're a better team than the Pelicans are. But this was pretty, pretty bad. No other way to really put it. By the numbers, Brandon Ingram, 24 points on the night, 9 of 22. Again, he was quiet in the first half, really got going in the second half. 3 of 7 from deep, 8 rebounds, 5 assists. His passing is pretty good. He is a more complete player than I was expecting to see coming into this year, and I've been unbelievably surprised by the three-point shooting and the passing and he gives you that scoring if you look at this game in which you get blown out and Brandon Ingram is just a minus six Kenrich Williams who was a starter minus eight Jackson Hayes was a plus one JJ Redick plus two Drew Holiday minus four and you guys get blown out the starters played pretty admirably against Kawhi Leonard Paul George and the like It's that bench that got absolutely lit up. We talked about it with the Jazz game the night before, but when you have Lou Williams who comes in and puts up 19 points on the bench, it's going to be tough to kind of keep up. Montrez Harrell, by the way, career night for him, or tied his career high. 34 points, 12 rebounds, 4 offensive boards. He was 13 of 18, 8 of 10 from the line with not one turnover. New Orleans didn't do anything to body him up or make his life difficult. Now, they didn't really have anyone who could. Jackson Hayes struggled defending in this one. He ended up finishing 3 of 5 from the field, 7 points on the night. J.J. Redick kind of had it going, making only 2 threes, 12 points. Drew Holiday, 18 points on 7 of 15, shooting 2 of 5 from deep. 7 rebounds for him, 4 assists to just 2 turnovers. And they all did well. But it was everyone else who really, really didn't step up. Julio Okafor made his return to the team. And he gave you some instant offense getting into the game. 10 points, 6 rebounds. But he played 0 defense around the rim. The offense is nice. He was active grabbing 3 offensive boards, 3 defensive boards. 10 points. That's good. You need someone like that. But you also need someone that can play defense, and it is very clearly not Jalil Okafor. Now, Derek Favors might have helped you here. Honestly, Zion Williamson probably helps you here against a big who's as active and athletic as Montrezl Harrell is. But you had no answer for him off the bench or even for Lou Williams off the bench, a job that Lonzo Ball took on a little bit. Lonzo, by the way, finished nine points on the night, four rebounds, five assists, four of 13 from the field, seven three-point attempts, making just one of them. He's really trying to shoot. That's a good thing. I'm glad he's not shying away from that and is trying to be aggressive, even if it means taking jumpers. You would just really, really like him to attack the rim. And if he's not giving you much defense, and he didn't in this game, he's he's a negative There's a reason he's coming off the bench not getting his starting role back because he's actively hurting this team right now, I think. Each one more did have it going off the bench for the Pelicans. 17 points on the night, 7 of 12, 3 of 6 from deep. As much as we really don't want to see him getting minutes and maybe want to see other guys getting minutes like Nikhil Alexander-Walker who played under 4 minutes in this game. Um, he's been playing well this year. I almost want to whisper that because it's not a popular thing. And I don't think any of us see him as part of the future and we all probably want him traded, but he's not been doing poorly whatsoever. Also off the bench, Nicolo Melli, five points, three rebounds, just two of six from the field. Frank Jackson struggling on this road trip. One of six from the field, one of two from deep three points on the night. Yeah, I, I mean, there's not a whole lot to say in this one. Kawhi Leonard, 26 points, 6 assists, 4 rebounds. Paul George, 18 points, uh, just 5 boards for him. New Orleans did a good job of containing those guys. Again, the starters did a pretty good job in this game. Were they worse than the Clippers starters? Yeah, but what are you supposed to do? You know, the, their starters are better. You didn't turn the ball over a ton in this game. You got some fast break points when you did get stops. But it's the lack of getting stops that really hurt this team. Just this team was disengaged in this one when it came to defense. Again, long rotations that really hurt this team. They hurt any team, but they particularly hurt the Pelicans, who just don't seem to know where they're supposed to be, which is a coaching thing, not a player's thing. And it leads to open shots. It leads to a lack of resistance. And just not contesting nearly enough. You can body guys up if you, you know, if you can get to the right spot on time and at least make their life difficult, and you're not seeing that from the Pelicans. We don't need to read too much into this one. It was just a really, really bad game. They lost. We move on. They get a couple days rest. They're going to be on a plane probably right now as I'm recording this back to New Orleans. And they got a couple of days to work on some things. Hopefully that gets them right because there is a big game coming up on Wednesday. So coming up on the show here, touching on Zion, what we know, what David Griffin told us about his return, and then a couple of notes around some changes coming potentially in the league into the schedule before that, today's show brought to you by Audible. Audible has the world's largest selection of audiobooks and audio entertainment. Start listening with a 30-day Audible trial. Choose one audiobook and two Audible originals absolutely free. Visit audible.com slash locked NBA. And if you're listening on the go and you can't visit Audible right now, you can find this and all other of offers from Locked On sponsors at lockedonpodcast.com offers. Zion Williamson update: something I know you all want to hear, and it's partially good news. And this comes from David Griffin, who made an appearance on ESPN Radio New Orleans 100.3 FM, the sports hangover, with my good friend Gus Kattengill as the host. And he was on there saying, Zion Williamson is getting better every single day. He's progressing exactly as we had hoped he would. And that sounds good to me. It sounds like he is just progressing. We've kind of seen him at practice. Not sure exactly what he's doing. But they're saying on that six to eight week timeline that they're looking on the latter end of it and they're going to be overly cautious, which means it might not be eight weeks to the day, David Griffin says, but somewhere in that general ballpark. But I wouldn't be shocked if it goes a little bit longer. Given the season the Pelicans are having, there's no need to rush your franchise guy back. He's not going to sit out the year as far as we have any reason to believe. We expect to see him out on the court. And David Griffin says he's getting better every single day. He says the physical part is easy for him. He's an incredibly high basketball IQ. He loves being a teammate and getting better. He's really rare among truly elite young players in that he enjoys the process of getting better. He loves the process of learning the game. That's the big thing. They need to catch him up mentally to everything that's going on in terms of scheme, in terms of what they're running. Obviously, he's there with the team. He knows this, but getting back on the court and playing ball is simple for him. Being a teammate and getting into the flow and the rhythm of what this team's trying to do that might be the difficult part. And so now that they've got a couple of days, it sounds like Alvin Gentry and the rest of the coaching staffs really going to be working with him to get him up to speed, to get him back on the court. Can't wait. Hopefully this will be coming soon. Really would have been nice to see him on Wednesday. It is what it is. Just don't take any chances. Play it cautious with Zion Williamson. This is the future of New Orleans basketball. Want to make sure he's 100% when he steps back out on the court finally and you should check this out over at espn.com we talked about how ratings have been down for the nba and i asked you all why you weren't paying attention to things And a lot of people said it's just too many games that mean nothing. Well, it sounds like the NBA is taking this very seriously. And according to Woj and Zach Lowe of ESPN.com, they are in talks to really redo the schedule and how the season goes. Cutting games, dropping it down to, what, 75, something like that, 77 games, 72 games, somewhere in that mid-70 range, and eliminating some of those games that, you know what, are, are meaningless at times. But more than that, they also want to add an in-season tournament like they do with certain Cups, League Cups, the FA Cup, over in European soccer, the Italian Cup, the Spanish Cup. They kind of have these in-season tournaments that also give you a piece of silverware and hardware to win. This is intriguing. It means that you can have multiple goals for the season. Is it to win the NBA championship if you're, say, the Los Angeles Lakers? or if you're the Pelicans, to win the in-season tournament knowing you're not a contender for the Larry O'Brien trophy. I kind of like this idea. It's something to build towards. It's something to get fans excited about. Now, how it's going to work and if these players are going to take this seriously is a big question. But you know what? There's going to be money on the line. They all love money. Everyone loves money. They're going to be motivated by that. And also, have you seen Jimmy Butler or heard the story about him in practice trying to stick it to his head coach and taking four other scrubs and beating the starters with him? These people are insanely competitive, some of the most competitive people on the face of the earth. They're probably going to want to win this tournament and beat other teams. I don't doubt that whatsoever. I think this could be a lot of fun. It could be a good thing for a young up-and-coming team to really target that and try and make some noise in that tournament and send a message and show their fans that they're capable of winning things. It would get people excited. It really would. I think this could be a whole lot of fun. They're also looking at maybe doing away with conferences or maybe reseeding the playoffs after a certain point in time. So after the first round, maybe you reseed the playoffs so that the top seeds regardless of conference are there and on the opposite sides of the bracket so if the top two teams come from the west they'll be the one and two seeds assuming they advance and maybe the top seed in the east is the third seed I like this idea too. just get the two best teams and no longer have it be, though it hasn't always been the case, that the Western Conference Finals is the de facto NBA Finals, as we've been saying for a long time. This adds some more meaning to what you're seeing out there. I think that's a lot of fun. its I don't know if these changes are happening anytime soon. It sounds like maybe for the 2021-22 season, the 75th anniversary of the NBA. But you know what? They're at least looking at these very outside-of-the-box methods to increase viewership to make more money which raises the salary cap which everyone likes overall it's a good thing even if it doesn't happen or even if it ends up kind of backfiring and not working out for them At least you try and don't kind of stay stagnant with everything. I like this. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm going to be curious in following this story because you know what? If you can give New Orleans a piece of hardware, a piece of silverware, even if it is that in-season tournament, I think small markets would be very happy with that on their way to building a contender. And maybe it has some implications with the playoffs, like they get in or something like that too. I think it could be a lot of fun. uh, And we're going to be very curious to see how this all goes. That's going to do it for this edition of Locked On Pelicans. Thank you all for listening. As always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nolajake on Twitter. Live show after the game Friday or Wednesday. Stay up a little late with me the day before Thanksgiving. You got nothing else to do. It's going to be a whole lot of fun. Thank you all for listening. and I'll be back with you all tomorrow.